Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the European Student Think Tank podcast. My name is Victoria. And this is Florentin. Today, we are joined by Krista Tamila, EST ambassador to Spain, to discuss the issue of the Catalonian question and how is the European Union involved. Welcome, Krista. Hello, everyone. Let's start with introducing yourself and this topic. Of course. My name is Krista Tamila, and I'm currently the ambassador to Spain for the EST since October of this year. I'm also a writer for another think tank called STEER, and I'm doing an internship with the U.S. company called Rise to Peace. It's a pleasure to be on this podcast to discuss a very complex yet interesting topic. First, I would like to start by saying that Catalonia is one of the autonomous communities in the northeast of Spain. They have their own language, Catalan, which I can describe sounds like Spanish mixed with French. The relationship between Spain and Catalonia is not so easy to explain simply, but generally Spanish history has always been analyzed through the struggle of its center and the periphery. Now what I mean by this is that there are regions in Spain which are much poorer than the others, and generally they are regions located in the periphery of Spain, especially in the south of Spain and Andalusia. So Catalan nationalists have long complained that their region sends too much of its money to the poorer parts of Spain, and the taxes are controlled by Madrid, and hence, they pay a lot more tax than they receive back for public expenditure. So to put this into perspective, the residents of Catalonia contribute 20% of Spain's taxes and receive 14% back for public expenses, with the rest of the money going to the poorer regions of Spain. However, this is not the main issue. It's more like the poorer people in Catalonia are left with what many believe are underfunded and inadequate social services, such as lengthy waiting times for healthcare, poor infrastructure, and so on. So overall, what many Catalans find frustrating is that they are criticized for the lack of solidarity, yet they are paying more than other regions while receiving less funding themselves, and more importantly, have minimal to no autonomy over fiscal matters. This information sort of sets the background for the issue, which essentially is that after the economic crisis, Catalonia declared that they did not want Madrid managing their taxes or money and essentially wanted to control their own economy as they felt it would give them the opportunity to have real power. So basically, the main drive of this separatist movement is based on economic reasons, with the pinch of cultural background. But how does this national rift reflect in the EU? Is Catalonia eager to be a part of the European integration project? This is a very important question, as not only is the Catalonian fight for independence going to affect its relationship with Spain, but also with the EU since it is a member state. Although there is a private body that lobbies for Catalan interests in Brussels, there is no general mechanism to involve the autonomous communities such as Catalonia to determine Spain's national policy on European matters, just for the record. But there were strides for Catalonia in the EU. For example, uh, Catalan was recognized as an official EU language in 1990, but it did not get so far as to be used in the official EU debate and simultaneous translation in the EU, as the European Parliament did not approve it. But it still was a big deal for the community at the time. So initially, Catalonia, as a stateless nationalist nation, responded to European integration by using the channels offered by the EU to play the game according to the already established rules. But in the aftermath of the financial crisis and the start of the recession in 2010, they swayed towards seeking independence within the EU, demanding recognition just like any other member state. And this is because Catalan nationalists have always emphasized their Europeanness while at the same time searching for chances to increase their opportunities in Europe. 
But regardless of Catalonia's efforts to increase its links with European institutions, in the end, national governments are still the most prominent players in the EU, so there is only so much that an autonomous community in Spain can do. Surely, Catalonia's involvement in the European Union's affairs still has a long way to go. But is it legally possible for Catalonia to pursue this goal? What are the limitations of Catalonia's self-determination right according to both Spanish and international law? This is a rather controversial topic as self-determination, although it is a fundamental principle of international law, is quite complicated. So, for those who don't know, it is stated in Article 1 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights that all people have the right to self-determination and to freely determine their political status. Self-determination is also codified in Article 1 of the UN Charter as well. So it is a very important principle in international law, but it's not a very simple process in practice. But Catalans feel like European people without a state. So since Spain, like every other EU member state, has accepted the covenants, it is therefore legally bound to respect the rights of the Catalans' pursuit for independence through the principle of self-determination. However, the right to self-determination is very complex. As for starters, the words people, nations, and states are not defined under international law. When it comes to the Spanish constitution, Article 2 is one of the focal points of the Catalan situation, and this is because the article speaks about the plurality of nationalities and opens up the debate on the right of self-determination for the constituent peoples. Now, one of the examples that was not directly stated in the proposed law for the October 2017 referendum was the case of the Badinter Commission for the former Yugoslavia case, and Catalonia used it, albeit indirectly, to push the validation of the exercise of self-determination in their case. So despite their efforts in using the parallel with Yugoslavia, their attempt was futile in the end because the situations were very different. This is mainly because Catalonia is not a colonial territory, nor is it in the situation where it is subjugated to or has endured a suffocating political and military occupation, and no international force has or had to liberate it, like in the case of Kosovo. Moreover, the International Criminal Court ruled that the Kosovar law did not rule out a declaration of independence, but Spain's democratic constitution and the Catalan statute explicitly excludes this option, and also according to the Spanish constitution, the referendum was against the law. So essentially what I'm trying to say is that it's difficult for Catalonia to claim the self-determination argument. Undoubtedly, the referendum was crucial for Catalonia's future, and despite the proposed law, the ambiguity of the articles and the Spanish constitution led to an impasse. What were the reasons that it was deemed illegal? So according to the Spanish constitution, referendums can only be held at the national and not regional level. So when Catalonia proposed a bill in 2014 which sought to transfer the government's referenda power to Catalonia, it was rejected by more than 80% of votes in the Spanish parliament. But even if the government does authorize a regional referenda, constitutional jurisprudence does not allow a referenda on the unity of Spain. Basically, there is no outlined law with regards to independence for regions. Therefore, there are two options in which a community like Catalonia could legally start the process towards eventual independence. The first is in Article 92, which addresses referendums directly and states that when it comes to important political decisions, all citizens can vote in a referendum. So the issue here is that the concept of all citizens is not clearly defined. Does it mean all Spanish citizens, all Catalan citizens? 
This brings up a dilemma because since the issue of the independence affects the entirety of Spain, it must include all Spanish citizens regardless of where they reside. But it's pretty clear that if there was a referendum on the topic of Catalonia gaining independence, most Spanish people would have to vote against it. So there would be no point in even carrying out the vote. The second option in the constitution is to change it. Obviously, this is a highly difficult and almost impossible thing to do. So, statistically speaking, it's basically impossible for Catalonia to pass, as most of Spain does not agree with Catalonian independence. During the time of the referendum, the right-wing political party, the Partido Popular, also known as the PP, was aware of the difficult legal process it would have to endure in order to start the legal referendum for Catalonia. So at the time, the Partido Popular was in the government and saw, along with other factors, that the sentiment for independence was at an all-time high. So they took advantage of the situation and called for an illegal referendum. Essentially, with the referendum in 2017, Catalonia did not follow any of the official legal processes. And to add on to that, there was violence that occurred during the voting, where, for example, riot police fired rubber bullets and dragged voters away from polling stations, so it added to the chaos of the situation regardless of the legal situation. How was the EU's response to this violence and confusion that escalated by the referendum? How significant was the resonance this case had over the EU as an institution, its member state, and most importantly, its principles? So one of the main players in the case is Carles Puigdemont, a Catalan politician who served as the president of Catalonia from 2016 to 2017. He fled to Belgium along with two of his ministers in 2017 in order to avoid arrest in relation to the, their role in the referendum. And they have been subject to an arrest warrant issued by Spain after failing to attend a high court hearing in Madrid. With Puigdemont living in Belgium since 2017, the Belgian courts discarded the arrest warrants in 2018 on the grounds that the charge of the rebellion brought did not exist in Belgian law. Since then, he and two other ministers have enjoyed immunity until recently. So in March of this year, the European Parliament voted to lift the immunity of the three, taking them closer and closer to extradition and prosecution in Spain. With the lifting of their immunity, Puigdemont stated, it is a sad day for the European Parliament. We have lost our immunity, but the European Parliament has lost even more than that. As a result, it has also lost European democracy. So you can really see how the once internal affair between Spain and Catalonia has now traversed into the EU level involving more players. What does the future hold for Catalonia if independence is somehow gained? Will it realistically benefit the nation or put its survival at risk? The answer is not that simple, because for a new nation, it's difficult to get its footing on the international stage. But the problem remains that if Catalonia ever does gain independence from Spain, it would mean having to leave the EU and then applying for membership, which means that all the benefits that come with being an EU member state, such as common currency, free movement of goods and services and so on, are gone. So this is something that needs to be carefully considered and when talking about gaining independence as a tiny region. Since every single EU member state has a veto vote, Spain would have the right to veto an application for a Catalan state to join the EU. And I think there would be some hard feelings from Spain and there's a high chance they would use that veto against Catalonia. But even besides that, the new state would suffer undoubtedly economically and socially outside the EU. 
Also talking about smaller details, like the fact that for now, Catalonia does not have sufficient security forces to set up many key areas, such as foreign relations, airports, and all those types of things, as they are in the hands of the Spanish government in Madrid. Uh, moreover, there has been no country or international body which has expressed any form of support for the Catalan independence for now, as, for example, the EU is standing firmly behind Spain. Moreover, giving into Catalonia could potentially open a sort of Pandora's box situation where other types of separatist battles could likely appear in different member states as well. So overall, it's a very difficult situation for Catalonia, and I think it's important that they really relay that information to the many Catalans who are voting for independence. On that note, thank you very much, Krista, for being with us today. No, thank you. It's been a pleasure. This is all for today's episode. If you want to see more of our content, check out the EST website. Yes, thank you for listening. To let us know about something you would like to hear on this podcast, drop us an email at podcast at See you next week.